0: Amen. Let's pray for Bob. Father, I thank you for Bob, and I ask in the name of Jesus as he brings forth that which you've laid upon his heart, that you'd anoint him, refresh him. But, Lord, that we would have open, teachable spirits and ready to receive. In Jesus' name, send your spirit. Amen. Amen. How about a round of applause to Jesus for Harry? How about that? (laughs) Thanks, man. Hey, um... But as long as you're here, um, I wasn't here last year. How many think I should come back next year? (laughs) Thanks, Harry. All right. Awesome. Hey, it's so good to be here. I've missed being here. Um, But I got to tell you this. We've come to Pennsylvania a lot because of this festival. I do public school assembly programs. 90% I do is in the public schools. Um, Every school has to have an anti-bullying program. But so so much of it is just pushing an agenda instead of talking about dignity. And so we've come to your, your state almost every year. And if you're interested, we would love to come back. When I go to schools, I can't start with a prayer. I can't start with, like, with Harry and sharing what we just did. But we start with embarrassing moments just to have fun. And so I go up to somebody and ask them to share their embarrassing moment with me. But there's some that I've gotten over 30 years that I can't share at schools because they've happened at churches like this one. This one happened in your state. It was at a Baptist church. They do adult baptisms. Over, Did you know over 240, 250 people got baptized here today at creation? It's just amazing. Now, I, I did not grow up, some Reformed people as well, I didn't grow up in a church that did adult baptisms. We had infant baptisms. So when I first went to a church that had adult baptism, I walked in and I'm like, this is a cool church, it has a pool. I'm like, I wanna dive off the pulpit, it was awesome. But at this church, what they did is they come up, they share their testimony about life before Jesus, then they get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and a lot of times they'll go like this to cover their nose, and then they'll put them down in the water, and if they're big enough, sometimes they'll have somebody else to help them up. But this church just had the pastor, but the church was growing. So they were building on, and the wall was actually down, and they had a sheet for the wall that was being used. So people would come in, give their testimony. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe he's your Savior, the only way to heaven? Do you believe he died on the cross for your sins, rose from the dead? They profess their sins. They get baptized. They come out. Lights go on showing old life, new life, and then they'd go out. So this last person to be baptized And I can say this because I'm on stage. She was a little larger lady. I'm a little larger man. But the pastor was a little smaller. And he went to baptize her, the last last person, and his foot slipped. And the woman starts panicking and going, ah, ah, and just grabbing for everything or anything. So as she's going, she grabs the sheet that is used as the wall. The sheet comes down. The guy who had just been baptized, who is changing, who is butt naked in front of 500 people. The sheet comes down. There's his church. He's like, ah. What do you do? True story. He didn't know what to do. So he jumps back into baptismal. I love that story, Harry, it really happened. But here's the point. How do I tie that into a message? Here's how we tie it in. Baptism represents the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the only salvation. You can't earn heaven. You can't add anything to your salvation. What I want you to do tonight is this. Will you jump back into your baptism? Will you jump back into your faith? Hey, I didn't hear you up on the hill. Will you jump back into your baptism? Jump back into your faith. Because let me tell you this, it's the only way. There is no salvation without the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I've been here many years. I love coming. But I gotta admit, I'm getting old. My wife and I, now, just less than a month ago, had our 10th grandchild. Um, but I'm not that old. Our oldest is only six. So we have 10 grandkids, six and under. So now I gotta be grandpa. They couldn't say grandpa, so now I'm Bapa. B-A-P-A. Love it. So grandpa wants to be a good guy. I take the four oldest, and we went to a movie. Um, What's the new Disney, the... the Hawaiian girl. Oh, my gosh, it was awesome. So I went to my lot. So Grandpa, Bapa, takes four kids. I am now a hero. We survived the movie. If We went to a place where now, you know, they don't just have movies. They have all entertainment centers. So we we go to the movie. We go out to eat. We have pizza at the place. And now there's a place called Fun Set where you have all those tokens, you play all the games. So I am buying, putting in my $20.00 to get token for my four oldest grandkids that are, I, at the time they were five, five, four, and a couple three-year-olds. And I put my money in and all of a sudden I get the, the tokens and I look back and the two youngest ones are gone. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I lost my grandkids. But I'm like, <laughs> you know, like a good grandpa, I got my five-year-old to go look for them. So I, I really did. I'm like, you go this way, I'll go this way. You know, it wasn't even as big as it, you know. I mean, the stage. We could find them. We went all the way around. We came back, couldn't find them. Now I am panicking. It was right before Christmas time. They're having a Christmas party there. They had Santa Claus, which was cool, but they had a bunch of little elves, not cool. <laughs> so I'm like, where is? I really, I start thinking somebody stole. My grandkids, and now I am panicking. I'm like, what do we do? And all of a sudden, my oldest grandson, Isaac, said, I think Elliot, one of the ones who were lost, had to go to the bathroom. So we're like, well, why didn't you tell me? So we run into the bathroom, and we go into the bathroom, and we hear from one of the stalls. (laughs) He went into the, the stall, latched it, went to the bathroom, and got stuck. And he couldn't get out. So I'm trying to talk him how to open the latch, right? All you have to do is this. It's like the Old Testament. Here's what you do. He couldn't do it. You know how many kids were in that bathroom? You know what little boys do? They miss. You know what I had to do to get him out of there? I had to go down underneath. That's stop. I know what some of you are thinking. Did you fit? <laughs> I knew it. I knew you were thinking that. You were. <laughs> I told you. It was I, was, I it pushed down. <laughs> but I got underneath and I got out. I got him out. But please hear me. I don't want the last time you read the Old Testament, which please hear me is part of the Bible too. I think sometimes we just get stuck in the New Testament there are Psalms and Proverbs. The Old Testament is God's word as well, Amen. And I'm reading it though, and a lot of times I'm like, "Really, God? Really, God? This is this is so messed up. This is so messed up." And it, there's killings, there's wars, and you're, and I don't understand the righteousness of God and the holiness, but. He's having to kill people too because they're so messed up and the earth is swallowing and I'm like, this is horrible. And we look for what? In the midst of it, we look for a Messiah because we couldn't get ourselves out. Please hear me. If sin isn't that bad, then grace isn't that good. The Bible says in Romans 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. And Jesus is the only answer. But if you think it was hard for me to go down on a dirty floor to come underneath, what about this? He who knew no sin became sin on their account. He who knew no hatred became hatred, became abuse, became murder. Why? For you and me. He came down to rescue us our baptism represents what? The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and our willingness to die to sin and rise again. It's our only hope. But you know what happened? When they came, he sent Jesus. He did acts of miracles. But they finally came to get Jesus. And they came and they, Judas betrayed him with a what? A kiss. Betrays him with a kiss. So what does Peter do? Peter says, I'll stand up for you. Takes his sword. Cuts off his ear. And I don't know about you, but I think if I was Peter, I'd want to look at, at Jesus and go, I did that for you. But Jesus says what? He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. Put your sword away, Peter. That's not how it is. Peter's like, what? Jesus goes, picks up the ear, puts it back on the guy's head. Can you hear me now? (laughs) But he puts it back on. But now Peter does what? The Peter who said, I will stand for you, I will die for you, now did that and denies Christ how many times? Three times. And he finally says, I don't even know the man. He denied his very salvation for in knowing Jesus is our only salvation. He says, I don't even know the man. And he and all the rest scattered like sheep. And Jesus died. But the next time we see Peter in public, he took his stand in front of multitudes. And over 3,000 people came to Christ. What was the difference? You know what was the difference was? After they killed Jesus, three days later, Mary came and said, I went to the tomb. He's not there. Him and John ran. They looked, they saw the empty tomb, but they doubted. But they're in the upper room, and they saw Jesus. And and Thomas was there, and he said to Thomas, put your hands in my hole. Put your hand in my side. Put your fingers in the hole in my hand. And they saw him, and he said, I am alive, and because of the resurrection, it changed Peter's life. It changed Peter's life, but you know what? There is an attack on the resurrection today. I gotta read this so I make sure I get the stat right. In 2012, 77% of Americans believed in a physical resurrection, that Jesus rose from the dead physically. As of today, Less than 60% of Americans believe Jesus rose from the dead physically. You know what the saddest thing is? If you're under 18 here today, would you raise your hand? Would you look around? According, according to Barna's last study, less than 1% of people who are under 18 have a biblical worldview and believe this is God's word. It's gotta change, and that's why, without hesitation, this book 18, that's why I wrote it. Every parent here who has a hurt in your heart, because your kid's not walking with Jesus, or every grandparent here, I'm asking you to go and buy this book. And you're like, oh Bob, pump your own stuff. My wife and I love capitalism. We love America. And I need a new boat. No, no. I do love America, I do love capitalism, but I gotta tell you this, I couldn't do it for that. So my wife and I said we're not taking one penny from this book, we're gonna give 100% to go and do public schools across this country to win people for Jesus Christ. Please hear me. I didn't tell you that for a pat on the back. I told you that because I want you to get this book because we have to win America back. And it's not about a political system. It's about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we have to do. That's what the difference is. Because please hear me today. They are taking resurrection out of your story. They're taking resurrection out of our faith. They're taking resurrection out of our churches. They're taking resurrection out of our communities. They're taking the resurrection out of our country. And please hear me. If there's no resurrection, then all that's left is dead religion. And I am tired of dead religion. I am tired of empty churches. I am tired of rules and regulations. The Bible says If Jesus has not risen from the dead, you here at creation are of all people most to be pitied. We feel sorry for you. If the best thing you get, if Jesus really didn't rise physically, and the best thing you have is to come and stand out in the heat and sing some songs about Jesus, then I pity you. Then we are to be laughed at if he has not risen, if Jesus hasn't risen, then hate really does win. If Jesus didn't rise, then sorrow and grief win. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then hopelessness and suicide wins. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then Satan wins. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then death wins. And then only the first part of this next verse is true. John ten ten. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Kill, steal, and destroy. It finishes by saying, I have come that you might have life and life to the fullest. But if he's not alive... If he was just a liar, if he was just a lunatic, if he was just a religious fanatic, if it's just one way among many, and he's not the way, the truth, and the life, then this is a farce. And then all the pain. I tell you how many people I'm in front of, again, not to go look at Bob, but the stories I hear every day, This just in the last month. People. A good friend of mine just called. And his wife just left him. And his two boys. And he's just devastated. The resurrection isn't true. There's no hope for them. One out of five students today are coming from an alcoholic family where there's dysfunction. The domestic abuse. These are just people I've talked to in the last month. The absent fathers. Even for good causes like being in the military. Abuse. I just came back from Alaska, and they say all of our nation, about one out of four girls, I have three daughters and six granddaughters, they say one out of every four is sexually abused. And they're saying the trauma in a girl is just like when they go to war or a boy who's been abused sexually, that the trauma is like post-traumatic stress, like from war. And yes, there's healing in Christ if he's risen, but if not, then it owns you and it'll have power over you for the rest of your life. And then the struggle with the pressure for schools and the media and anxiety and depression and addictions and incest and and cutting and suicide. And honestly, some days I go, I can't do this anymore. The pain is too great. And if I'm just making this up, then I'll quit. But when I hear the stories, even of Christians that are here, and the struggles and the pain and the hurt, and then add to that, the voices that we hear, (laughs) not always those, but I hear those too. (laughs) But let me ask if I'm the only one that hear voices like this. And a lot of times from people who are Supposed to be there to invest and care for you. Do you struggle with hearing voices like, You're such an idiot. You screwed it up again. You're just a waste of space. You're such a loser. You're pathetic. You disgust me. It's your fault. You're a mistake. You're so stupid. I wish you didn't exist. Can't you do anything right? Why don't you go tell somebody who cares? To be honest, I don't even want you. And if the gospel that we preach isn't big enough for these situations, then I don't want it. And if the gospel isn't real, And you tell me this. Where is hope? People have been asking, Bob, where is hope? Suicide alone? I'm going to do something that's going to seem weird. Who has a stopwatch? Can you give me 40 seconds? Can we sit here in a morning of silence, but make it prayer as well for 40 seconds, really? Go. Just now. And every other 40 seconds of this day, another person worldwide takes their own life. Every 40 seconds. I've had probably the hardest two months of my life as I stand up here and try to bring you hope and say, where is hope? The last two months of disappointment and problems and death and loss and grief of my friends and family and people around me, that I start asking, is it real? Do you care? Where is the hope? And then just two months ago, one of my best friends, me and... Three other guys have been in the same small group. Side note, get in a small group. Guys especially, be accountable. Be accountable, we can't do this thing on our own. Been in the same small group with this guy for 25 years. We've been friends for 34. When I became a youth pastor at 19, he was my worship leader for the first seven years. Came an elder at our church, I had kids together. We spend a summer weekend together every every year. I was at he was at my house, and we we're talking about how hard and how busy life is. And we were fishing, and I think we caught a three-inch perch. But we were gonna go to Canada. We had it set up to go to Canada this summer again, because one of my best times is when me and my three buddies we went to Canada together and fished. I'd caught so many fish made so many memories. And I wrote them and I said, Al. Sorry, we didn't get more fish. And he wrote back, and he said, "Fish is secondary. Just so awesome doing life to be, life together." And then he wrote, "Let's do it the best that we can until it's my time." That was the last text I got from Al. Because less than a day later, his heart stopped. <laughs> I asked if they had a heart attack. No. He just died at 56 years old. Our kids were just raised. We're just starting to travel together and have fun together. (laughs) Not that kids aren't fun, but they're a lot of work. And we're having time. And to be honest, I'm like, where's hope? But I looked at Al's life, and you know what I came up with? See, Al longed for heaven. He would, when he would lead worship, some of these guys, when you see him and they're worshiping, and all of a sudden, Al would be worshiping in our youth group, and all of a sudden, you'd see his eyes go like this. And I, I ask him after, what happened? He goes, I forgot I was leading worship. I thought it was just me and Jesus at home. He would just lose himself. Have you ever done that? If not, lose yourself in the love of Jesus. He's not an imagination. He's real. And you can have a relationship with him. And you can feel that love. And he longed to go to heaven to a point where I was mad at him all the time because I'm like, hey, have, heaven's great, but, you know, we need you here. And so he committed to love and he would disciple people. And he was in the words and... In the Word, in the week before he died, he sent me. We have an accountability card. If anyone wants, text me at Bob Lentz or Life Promotions. Guys, I'll send you our, and girls, we got one for our, our wives too. An accountability card. Have you been in the Word today? Have you been in prayer? Have you, have you looked at things with your eyes that you shouldn't have? Have you used money in an inappropriate way to live out this Christian life? He sent it to me just again the week before he died. He loved well. He had faith in a resurrection. He had faith in a heaven to come. But because he had faith in what's to come, he was faithful and he loved the here and now. Just like the Israelites who were in slavery, but they looked to the promised land. And because they looked to the promised land, they were faithful in the here and now. Just like the civil rights movement. They were in such pain and such oppression, but they had hope. And where do we get our gospel music from and our blues music from? Because they loved and they saw that soon and very soon we're going to see our king. And one day it's going to be, and I have a dream. And when you see what it could be, you endure in the here and now. Believing in a resurrection and eternity isn't escaping from here and now. Al had faith in life to come, but because of that, he loved in the here and now to fight injustice and fight hatred and live for the dignity of every person and the glory of God. That's what my friend did. So I answer the question, where is hope? It's where it's always been, right in between faith and love. Three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. In honor of my friend, Al, and I believe because of heaven, he can probably see us. I dedicate this shirt faith hope and love no matter what you've gone through no matter what your parents were like no matter what your friends have done to you no matter how you felt marginalized no matter how you've been bullied or hated or abused there is hope and where is it found faith in a place that one day every tear is going to be gone and every tear will be dried and its streets are going to be made of gold and there's not going to be any thunderstorms during my seminar and one day where everything will be the way it's supposed to be and everyone feels loved in the resurrection, faith in what's to come. But Christians, I'm asking you, if you believe in heaven to come and you believe in the resurrection, then what I'm gonna ask you is the love in the here and now. What's your cause? Is it like, you know, uh, Remedy Drive? The fight against trafficking? Is it is it compassion? The fight against poverty? Is it about... Discrimination and making sure our laws are just? Is it systems that still hold people repressed? Is it in this day and age where women still aren't making what they would to do the same job as a male? Is it clean water? Have a cause. Or can I tell you what the greatest would be? Dad, be a dad. Mom, be a mom. A friend, and I'm not one of those who bash the internet. I love the internet, it helps me to connect with people. But you know what? Don't let the internet own you. Have a relationship with a friend, it's still better than anything <laughs> that's on. <laughs> Will you have faith in the resurrection? And will you trust in the here and now and love? I think then we'll bring hope. If we believed in the resurrection, it would change. Let me tell you this story, that one's for you. You know what's really cool? A guy stuck up his hand and got it from the girl I was throwing it to. And I'm like, and before I could even look at him, he gave it to her. Way to go, dude, that was a gentleman. That was really cool. You go to my table, you got one free coming, okay? Um, I wanted my own kids. The reason I wrote that book 18 is I want my kids and I want my grandkids to believe in the resurrection. I took my daughter when she was five to see the Passion Play. It was outdoor life. They had camels, they had sheep, they had a baby Jesus. It was outdoor. They had the the army guys, the soldiers were on on real horses. It was amazing and I'm like, I'm a good dad. I'm, I'm, I'm exposing my daughter to the Bible. I'm feeling like I'm a really great dad sitting here with my wife and she, Amber's our oldest so it's just her and my wife and we're watching the passion play and it was so great and all of a sudden it started to change and that scene about being betrayed happened and the knife came out and there was blood and then they took Jesus and they stripped him And they start beating them. And I have my five-year-old. And what was a nice Bible story turned into an R-rated passion play because of violence. And I'm trying to cover her eyes. And you know, a five-year-old, I want to watch. And I'm like trying to cover up. And all of a sudden, it got worse. And they say that the movie, The Passion of the Christ, was even tame compared to what it was really like. And they start doing this, and my daughter starts crying and freaking. And I'm like, I'm a bad dad. She's going to be in counseling for the rest of her life. I'm trying to cover up. They strip him down. Thankfully, they had a loin on. That's probably not how they died. They stripped him all dignity, They pulled his beard out. They put him on the cross. I don't know how they did it, but it looked so real. When they put the spear in the side, blood and water came. They took him down. They put him in a a, a tomb. They rolled the rock. Then, to make it worse, I'm already feeling, I couldn't get out. I'm feeling like a horrible dad because she's watching this, right? And it gets worse. They put a little Satan figure on the top of the tomb. And he goes, I want... Jesus is dead, and my daughter's like, "Ah!" Her head starts spinning. No, it didn't. Okay, but I am like, I feel so bad. But that's what the Bible teaches, right? She's five, but all of a sudden the lights go down, and I don't know how that. You know how they got those movie theaters where they got sound and vibration, and everything. Now, all of a sudden, the whole place starts shaking. And all of a sudden, the rocks started moving. And all of a sudden, lights started coming from behind the rock, and smoke machines that were amazing coming all over. And all of a sudden, it went boom. And the stone rolled away. And they had do- uh, pit doves came out, and the white doves flying away. And Jesus, who just went up all bloody and beat up, came out, and he was in a robe of white, and he was glowing. He came out like this, and everybody started clapping. And my daughter's like, "Daddy, Daddy, it's okay. He's alive." And you know what? I think, I think she really believed that it happened right in front of her. That Jesus died and he came back. And it changed her life. Whatever your story is, blessed are those who have not seen and still believe Put the resurrection back in your story. It is real. He is alive. And let me tell you this. You put faith in what was in the empty tomb and what's coming in heaven. And you commit to love in the here and now. You will find hope for you for this life. And the next. I want to pray. We're going to have the worship band come back out now. But we're going to pray. And here's what I'm asking you. Do you need hope today? Do you need the resurrection in your story? Will you confess to not trusting that it's real? Will you confess to not trusting that God is good even when things are bad? Will you confess and say, God, I believe in the death and resurrection, and I believe that you're coming again, and I will put my whole life on banking on it, Tim. I'm banking on it. It's all I got. It's all I got. And I promise you, if you do that, and then say, I will love in the here and now. I will fight against evil, and I will cling to what is good. Faith, love, love you will find hope and you can have the assurance of eternal life and you can have the assurance of life on earth don't wait for he- don't wait till you die to get heaven get heaven now get heaven now <laughs> heaven on earth heaven on earth there's so much hell on earth i want a little bit of heaven there's so much pain so much sorrow i need a resurrection i need it today If that's you, eyes open, not a silent follow me, you, Jesus, and I put my faith in you. If you want to affirm your faith and say, I'm all in, I'm banking everything on the fact that he died for me and rose, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand as high as you can all over this place. Young, old, some of you have been so hurt from the church, you're not as close to Jesus as you're supposed to be. Come back to Jesus. Don't let the church hold him away from you. And then if you're willing, so you believe in the death and resurrection, you believe he's coming again, and then you're willing to fight evil, you're going to find your cause, your purpose. You're not just going to live for self. You're not just gonna live for the next dollar, the next entertainment. You're saying, God, I'm here for a purpose and that's your glory. So I will fight evil. I will fight evil and love people. If that's you, then raise your other hand to say, I will love. And I promise you, with faith in what was and it is to come and love in the here and now, you will find hope in the middle of whatever you're going through, that he is enough. He is faithful, he is true, he is real, he is in love with you, and he is alive, he is alive! (laughs) And I pray that you'd be all in like my friend Al, and say, God, I'm going to live for heaven, and I'm going to do it on earth, and I'll bring hope. We can't do this alone. So what I'm going to ask you to do next might be a little strange, (laughs) but you're in a mosh pit, so get over it. I'm going to ask you to turn to about three or four people make a little huddle. Ask each other's names, because God cares about your name. And then pray with one another. Get in groups of three. Let's pray for faith, hope, and love across this place right now. I'll come back out and the worship team will lead us. Let's pray. He is faithful. He is true. He is good. Where is hope? Where it's always been right between faith and love. There's a resurrection. When you have faith in the resurrection of what was, what is to come, you'll find power to love in the here and now. And when you have faith in what is, what has been and is to come, and you love in the here and now, you will find hope forever. Starting now. I speak to you who just said, I believe he is alive. And because you have jumped back into your baptism, we're naked without him. We have no hope without him. You've jumped back in and said, I'm all in. I'm all in. It's the only way you got to go. You're in front of everybody. It's time to jump back in. It's time to jump back in. So if you were one of the ones who went to the prayer tent um, when Eric preached, awesome. Know that you have eternal life. If you're the ones who responded during Tony Nolan and went, awesome, there's eternal life. If you responded last night um, with to speak Strickland. What was her first name? Oh, she was amazing last night. Then live it if you tonight... But let me tell you this. Let's stop getting saved 14 times. How many believe in Jesus? Let's get discipled over and over again. Let's preach the gospel over and over again. But you know what? You have hope. His name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus. So now... Now what I ask you, will you be a part of bringing this to somebody else? But I wonder, look at your prayers. I have to be honest, Harry. I've looked at my prayers over the last year. You know what my number one prayer is? For safety. For safety. I don't think it's wrong to pray for safety. But is that what I wanna live for? We have some friends who are the bakers. The mom and dad and their four kids just moved to Kakistan. I didn't even know that was a country. There's over how many thousands of people that live there? 99.5% Muslims. They went there to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and plant churches. Their oldest daughter is only 13. There are so few Christians that when someone comes to Christ, they'll pray, they'll train them, and make them a pastor. They have these home churches. The dad has to travel. The mom, trying to do her part in evangelism, teaches English as a second language. So all these Muslims come in to learn English. But their kids have learned the native tongue there and overheard some of the people coming for English classes, talking about how they're gonna blow up the Christian churches and kill the Christians. You've seen the news, this is real, more murders today than any time. So at bedtime, they told their mom what they heard. And you know what the 10-year-old son said? Thank God that daddy's not here. And then you know what he said? Because if they kill us mom, daddy can still share Jesus with them. (laughs) What? I'm not there. I'm like, what? My own son Tim is when YWAM for five years, full-time missionary. He just came back from Germany. He landed there on December 24th. We were praying for my turn on the news. There was a bombing in Berlin in the subway where my son was going. And I'm like, God, why can't he serve you in Pennsylvania? But my son says, Dad, you in America and most of your friends see a refugee crisis. He said, we see a refugee opportunity. In Germany alone there's a million refugees from countries like Syria and Iraq and Afghanistan, nations that are close to the gospel and we won't go. Now there's a million of them in Germany. So he said, Dad, I have to go because they have to know our hope. They have to know Jesus. And my son got to baptize two Muslims in their bathtub after they gave their lives to Jesus Christ. I still want them to be safe. And I'm like, great, he came back for his three months. And he just told our family that he feels called to go back there and start a YWAM base in Germany. Great, he's given two years of his life. I'm like, I like preaching about this. I don't like living it. I'm like, really? At LifeFest, we had a missionary from India Last year, he was talking about all that's going on there. I was preaching there with Compassion International. And the church I was preaching in started being surrounded not by Muslims, but by Hindus who wanted their own um, government as well, their own state, a, a Hindu state. And they turned off the electricity. And I am freaking out. My, my wife is there with me and just freaking out. And the pastor said, I forgot to tell you, they've burned down 300 churches. And I'm like, you should tell people before they come. I freaked out. I had this much faith. So when this guy was at our festival and he's telling me what's going on there, I'm just amazed. And he talked about how many martyrs they had last year people who had died for their faith. So I said, let's pray. And I grabbed their hand and we started praying for India and the gospel to go forth because now you can't do this in public. You can meet in churches, you can't evangelize, you can't proselytize, you can't have open air meetings in a democracy in India anymore. And so I start praying for him. And I said, God, protect him, protect his missionaries. And he interrupted my prayer. I'm like, that is so rude. I say, he said, stop. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, don't pray for protection. I'm like, why? He said, God, I want this kind of faith. I don't have it. He says, because every martyr that dies, over 10,000 people come to faith. But every one missionary that lives out their whole life, maybe 100 people. He said, so you know what? Don't pray. And if you want to be a missionary on our organization, you have to sign up to know you might be martyred. They believe in a resurrection. They believe that this life is just a breath. And they are making a difference for the kingdom of God. I want to live like that. I want to live like that. I go, God, What does that look like for me? How do I live in a way that supports you, Jesus, in your kingdom? I was preaching at a youth conference for the United Methodist, and I met this girl. And I don't know how to say all terms right, but I gotta say this. There's people who are as white as snow like me, and then there's people who tan good, and then there's some awesome brown people, and then there's some black people and Asian people, and then there's some black people who are as black as the night, and it's gorgeous. It's just amazing. You know what I mean? I mean, just a, she, and this girl had moved here from Africa, and she was just gorgeous, just black, beautiful skin. But then I heard her story, and she had witnessed so much domestic abuse of her father. Beating her mother, and I and I'll try to say this gently because I know there's small kids here, but there was abuse with her and her sister from their father sexually, and the stories and the pain in her eyes. So the mom got permission and was granted to come to America legally if anybody can't Anyway, sorry. (laughs) But because of the abuse in the mom's life, she turned to alcohol to deal with the pain and got addicted. And her daughters got taken away from her. Charmaine was the oldest. When I met her, she was in her fifth foster home. She said, Bob, you know what it feels like not to be wanted, to be abused by your dad, neglected by your mom, and put like object from different home to different home? But she was fighting. In in Africa, they had need bed nets because just mosquitoes can come and give malaria. But, and I hate to tell you germaphobes this, but did you know the hand sanitizer in the bathroom doesn't work anymore? Study it. Are, we are building resistance, and it's not working. It has to be stronger. Well, their bodies are trying to fight against malaria. So this is what's happened. Their body's trying to fight the malaria, and in the red blood cells, and this is a kindergarten explanation, in the blood, blood cell, the chromosome is turning, it's bending, it looks like a banana. And because of that, when the red blood cells try to go bring oxygen to the body it shuts down and her body is suffocating which by the way is how Jesus died and she said i have to get blood transfusions all the time and she goes this may seem weird but you know the weirdest thing is bob is i hate the scars from the transfusions And she had long sleeves on that covered up her arms. I was like, what what do you mean? So she pushed them up and I saw the big scars. And she said, I think they're so ugly, I'm ashamed of them. And after hearing her story, I looked at her and I said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if the resurrection isn't true, I don't have any hope. I don't know what to tell you, but I believe he has. And can I tell you something, Charmaine? I think that those scars are beautiful. She looked at me and she said, you're crazy. I said, no, you might not believe this, but my best friend has the same scars. Said, what? I said, that's where Jesus took a nail for you and for me. He has the scars. In the same spot. And he still has them. He still has the scars. But because of that, there's hope for you. And that fifth family that finally took her in is loving her with the love of Jesus Christ. I asked you, we found hope for ourselves. Will you bring hope to the world? Maybe in India, maybe in Africa, maybe in South America. Maybe some of you can adopt a child. Maybe some of you can become a missionary. But if a 10 year old is willing to pray that if we get killed, at least her daddy can share the gospel, and if people are willing to go and give their lives, if we really believe in the resurrection, what I'm asking you tonight is this I'm asking you, would you share that hope with a person around the world? I speak on behalf of Compassion International. And to be honest, I've gotten compassion fatigue because so many people like, oh, here it comes again. Here's, Here's another pitch. Can I tell you something? It's not a pitch. It's not a fundraiser. It's bringing hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. That's what we gotta do. I'm an evangelist. And we just did a festival with Harry in Haiti. And we saw thousands come to Christ. We just went to Peru and Lima. We're going back next summer. We'd love you to come. We'd love you to come. Come to Peru and do this in Peru and see thousands come to Christ. But can I tell you why I'm a part of compassion? because more people come to Christ through compassion than all the evangelistic organizations together because it's one child through the local church who believe in a resurrected Jesus Christ. That's what it is. It's not a fundraiser. It's being the gospel of Jesus to hands and feet. I am asking you, if you believe in faith, raise your hand. If you believe in love, raise your hand. If you believe there's hope, worship Jesus. But hold on, keep them up. Here's how I'm gonna ask you to end. I'm gonna ask you to end by not putting them down. Hold on. I gotta tell you this, I've only done this once before. When I said okay, don't put your hands down. Somebody put it down. I guess they yelled at him. He was over at the seminar today. He went and sponsored a child today from Peru. All right, keep your hands up. Don't clap. <laughs> I'm asking you the same guy who's a gentleman. This is little Bethlehem from Ethiopia. It's $1.30. Okay, do you know what they paid for a pretzel dog today? It's $38 a month. Please, would you do this? Keep your hands up until somebody puts a child in your hand. Ah! Or this. Some of you already sponsor a child. If God enables you to sponsor another one. If God calls you to do clean water instead of trafficking, fine. But if you're calling yourself a Christian, then don't put your hands down. Until a child is put in that hand, or until you decide how you're gonna live out your cause and your purpose, and then bring a hope to this world. Look it, we can make a difference in this world. Compassion people, start handing them out. I will be over there. Those shirts will be over there. My new book, we got sp- sp- spinner gadgets that say faith, hope, and love. Come over there, but please come with a child. Would you put your hand up? Let him take a child. Just look at it. And if you really, if God says you don't have to, fine, bring it back. But put your hand up. We're worshiping. We're going to sing one more song together. Start handing those out. Let's see if we can get every child that God wants sponsored tonight sponsored. Why? So the world can find hope, faith, hope, and love. Please, please. While we sing this song, keep passing these out. Please. Not guilt. It won't get you to heaven. That's by Jesus. Bring heaven to earth. Keep your hand up. Pass those out. There, you did it. That's the guy I yelled at last time. Ooh, from Peru. Come with us. All right, grab your child. Grab your cause. Grab your child for the kingdom. Let's do this together. They'll keep handing them out while this song is played. God bless you, Krishna. I love you.